Um, this isn't just for fun. This is for rights in heaven, uh, essentially. Uh, last week, uh, the winner was Holly Marshall. Um, for those of you that know, I know, right? Holly Marshall won. You know why? Only one who turned it in. Okay? See, that's how easy it is because it was minimalists um, at best. Uh, so would love for you to, uh, to grab hold. And this one just, I love this one. You already know what we're talking about just because of the picture, but there's such greatness about it. Like, look at the fish that Jesus is about to step on. It's like, hey, you know, smiling. It's, it's awesome. Even the little boat is kind of um, funny to me. So obviously we're talking about Jesus walking on water. I'm going to do something this morning that I never do in here. And there's a reason, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But I'm going to ask, oh, there's like a squeak right here. Are you already? You hear it? Oh, there it is. It's going to, it's going to drive me nuts. Um, okay. It's going to be so contrary to who I am. I'm going to stand still. All right. Everybody stand up. We're going to recite together uh, the scripture from the book of Matthew, chapter 14, starting at verse 24. Immediately after this. We can stop there. We're we're good there. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sit back down. Does anyone know why I never do that? Raise your hand or just shout it out. Why do I never do that? Anybody have an idea of why I never have you all do that? Because you're horrible at it. Horrible at it. I have never been... In a congregation that has read the scripture aloud together, and I've been like, yeah, afterwards. Once you read the scripture together as a group, it's just because you get into this monotonous tome of talking like this. You truly are the son of God, they exclaimed. And it's just like, oh, gone, right? This is why I just I, can't, I have to get away from this. And, and it was the tradition in which I grew up in the Episcopal Church. This is what we do, okay? I grew up in a very high church church, and, and it was very liturgical, and, and I find comfort in the liturgy and comfort in all those things, except 
this part. And this part has always driven me a little bonkers. Because the text originally wasn't a written thing. It's this oral culture. And if you've ever been to Israel, you know that they are not just like monotonous type people who walk around with one volume level the entire time. Oh, no, no, my friends. They are very boisterous and very loud and very exclamations mean something to them. But for some reason, we've been taught otherwise. And this story of all stories is one that I think gets taken so much out of the mystery and the wonderment of it. And we lose a lot of what's going on. Let me read it for you. I'm not going to read the entire thing that you just read. Everybody's like, sweet. Meanwhile, by the way, I love that word. Anytime it's used in scripture, it makes me laugh. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Let's think about this. Who were many of the disciples? Fishermen. Okay. They are people familiar with boats. They're on the Sea of Galilee. This is their home water. It's like many of you who go to Port A all the time. You know all the different bays and all the things around there. You're like, I know this place, right? This is the disciples, okay? They're out on the boat. Big waves come up, heavy waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus comes toward them walking on water. He's walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. And Peter called to them, Lord, if it's really you, tell me. Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes. Come. Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Talk about a transformational story for the disciples. Now, let's put aside the fact that what had just happened was Jesus fed 5,000 people on the side of the hill as he's delivering this amazing message. And he sends them, the disciples, he's like, hey, go on ahead of me. I will be with you just in a little bit, but Jesus needs some downtime, all right? You know, have you ever told your kids that? Hey, mommy and daddy need a little bit of alone time. So y'all go do something else so I can just be by myself and away from you. Jesus is going to do this. He's going to be by himself with God. He's, going to, he's just done this amazing teaching about what it means to truly be a, a, a believer in Christ and like this vocational talk and stuff. And then, and then he walks on the water. Now, Mark has this story too. And what Mark says is, is very um, evident in this picture. I, I like this picture because it looks like what Mark's um, story is. Because it says that Jesus is walking as if to pass them by. Right? I think this is really funny. This is one of the funnier stories in Scripture for me. Because, I mean, Jesus knows, like, they're out on the water. Okay, here's the thing about Jews and water. They're afraid of it. Scared of it. Where did evil live? The water. The water was a place of darkness and death and evil and scariness 
you're saying, but they're fishermen. Yes, but they never went out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. They stayed close to the shore. And so the wind's blowing them out towards the middle. They're starting to get scared. Because they're on this place that's known as evil. They're on this place, the abyss, this scary place. And then here comes this ghost walking from the shore. I can just, Jesus go. Walking right on by, you know. And the disciples are like, ah! But then he turns and goes, no, no, I'm just kidding. It's me. It's me. And so Peter, being the oldest and being the one who leads with his heart all of the time, goes, God, if it's you, then tell me to get out of the boat and walk on water towards you. Let's think about what the other disciples were doing at that moment. They all probably turned to Peter. Oh, why didn't I say that? Oh, what great faith you have. I'm sure some of them are like, idiot. But then Jesus is like, yes, yes, get out of the boat and come towards me. You know, we always say, yes, come. Yes, come towards me, Peter. Walk on the water towards me. No, don't you think that right now that Jesus is like inside of Peter's heart and in his mind, he's, he clicks and he gets something deeper that the rest of the disciples haven't gotten yet. And Jesus, the rabbi who said originally, come follow me, come be exactly like me. Now I'm walking on water. So what does a good disciple do? You walk on water. And all of a sudden it clicks in Peter and Jesus gets it. And, and it says, um, yes, come. Yes, come. No, 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 no. Yes! Yes! You get it! Come! And so Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on water. But then he remembers where he is. He's over the abyss. He's over the water. He's over this evil. This over this darkness. These questions. He's like, oh. And he looks around and he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink and he cries out to Jesus for, to save him. And Jesus does. And then here is where people get crazy on this children's story. Because in this translation, the translation that we read, it says this. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? The last part of that question is where the issue arises. Why did you doubt me? A lot of translations don't have that. A lot of translations don't have those two little letters right there that change everything about this story. You know, it's hard when we're translating something from a foreign language into another language. I mean, if you look, people ask me all the time, hey, Michael, what's the best translation of the Bible to read? And I'm like, the one that you're actually going to. You know, I mean, you can have the thing that I think is the best translation of the Bible, but if you don't ever pick it up and read it, who cares? Would you say that King James is the best? No, I would not say that King James is the best translation of the Bible. (laughs) Kevin goes, what? Uh, In the back there, I saw that little Southern Baptist roots coming out. Um, it's actually considered one of the worst translations of the Bible. 
because they translate it from a Latin Vulgate translation, which is even worse translation. So it's all this theological stuff you can put into it. It gets ugly. The NIV, eh, there's some issues with the NIV too. The NLT, which I use, yeah, there's definitely issues with the NLT, but it reads well. The message, whew, a lot of people don't like the message, Eugene Peterson. Like what he's done, putting it in today's language and trying to, to make it more accessible to more people. Then there's this one called The Voice. Anybody ever heard of The Voice? The Voice is a relatively new one that was done by um, Greg C. and a bunch of people. Greg C. is a, a, a pastor out of Houston. Um, and he's Robbie C. is his more famous brother who's a Christian musician. Um, but Greg got a bunch of poets and a bunch of authors and a bunch of lyricists together, and they took the original language and they dove into it, and they brought forward this new um, translation called The Voice. But many of the different translations, um, you'll find minor things that are different. But in this story, when you change, when you take out the word me, and you put the question mark before it, all of a sudden you become a heretic. You think I'm joking, but if you care about this kind of stuff, go Google this story and see the type of venom that is thrown out towards people who take the word me out of there. Here's how it reads in The Voice. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on to the other side of the sea while he dismissed the crowd. Then... After the crowd had gone, Jesus went up to a mountaintop alone, as he intended to do from the start. As evening descended, he stood alone on the mountain praying. Is it up there? No. Oh, that's right. We didn't have it. Sorry. The boat was in the water some distance from land, buffeted and pushed around by waves and wind. Deep in the night, when he had concluded his prayers, Jesus walked out on the water to his disciples in their boat. The disciples saw a figure moving towards them and were terrified. It's a ghost, a disciple says. Another says, a ghost, what will we do? Jesus, be still. It is I. You have nothing to fear. Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, then command me to meet you on the water. Jesus, indeed, come. Peter stepped out of the boat onto the water and began walking toward Jesus. But when he remembered how strong the wind was, his courage caught in his throat and he began to sink. Master, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached for Peter and caught him. Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt and dance back and forth between following me and heeding fear? Then Jesus and Peter climbed in the boat together and the wind became still and the disciples worshipped him. Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I don't know if you can catch the difference, the nuanced difference, when you take out the word, why did you doubt me, and you replace it with something a little different. See, the focus becomes the doubt. The doubt is not Peter doubting Jesus. It's Peter doubting himself. Now, when you say that, people get really upset about that. But in essence, what I believe is going on here is Peter's not doubting Jesus. Clearly he's not, because when he begins to sink, he knows who can save him. Jesus, save me. What he's doing is doubting himself. 
I've stepped out maybe a little further than I should have. And all of a sudden I'm starting to sink and I can't do this. And I can't be like my rabbi and I can't be a good disciple. And oh no, Jesus save me. How many times have we been called to step out of the boat and to walk on water only to begin to doubt ourselves? Now, there's a fear in this that we don't want to look down upon Peter. Oh, St. Peter. No, no, no. We can't, we can't say that Peter was doubting himself. He's, he's the cornerstone, the rock on which Jesus will build the church. It calls into question a whole lot of theological issues with certain denominations. But for me, man, it gives me hope. How many of you have ever failed in here? Really? That was quite a few of you. Um, how many of you have ever, like, epically failed? Yeah. I mean, just great failures. Daryl and I, that's right, you're going to leave and I'm going to talk about you. So keep walking. <laughs> Daryl and I have, um, and, and the leaders of New Heights, have tried things over the past 12, 13 years. And we have stepped up to the plate, and we have pointed to the fence, and then we've taken a big swing and just colossally failed. I mean, we have done stuff believing that we were stepping in the right path, that Jesus said, hey, get out of the boat and walk on water. And we're like, yes, here we go. Wow. <laughs> many, many, many times we have tried stuff and we have thought that God has called us to something and we step out and we start doing stuff and then we get a little shaky and we start and we fail and we're like, oh man, it was us. It was us. It was us. It was us. And Jesus is like, no, come on. Don't doubt yourself. You are following me. It's okay if you step out and you fail sometimes. One of the, the guys who teaches me in this life is Joel Harris. And Joel Harris brought me this um, term. It's better be strong and wrong. And what's the finish of it? Than right and weak. It's better to be strong and wrong than right and weak. Bam! That is how I will live my theological and discipled life. Because if I am going to advance in this world and bring the kingdom of God, I better be strong. I better be strong if I'm going to move into a world and a society that seemingly time and time again stands against the message of God. Then I better step out in strength and in power and in confidence. Yes, I have confidence in Jesus, but I need to have some confidence in me, too. Knowing that when God calls his disciples to follow him, it's not just a select few that he's going to send out. Come follow me. Many of you stay at home and do nothing. Only some of you step out of the boat. No. In essence, when Jesus calls to Peter and says, Come, get out of the boat and walk towards me. He's saying it to every one of us. At some point in our lives, 
We're going to have this vision. We're going to have this leaning. We're going to have this tug on our hearts. You know what? I need to start doing this. I need to start living my life more like this. I need to break these relationships. I need to get more into these relationships. I need to stop this addiction. I need to stop watching these things. I need to stop listening to these things. I need to stop where I'm working because it's bringing me down. I need to go do these things. I need to stop going to this church. I need to go to that church. I need to stop being in this community. I need to stop doing whatever it is. And I need to trust God and trust myself that I have the discernment to know when God is calling me. Because many times that's the issue. Oh, no, no, no. God doesn't speak to me. He speaks to Daryl. He speaks to Crocker. He speaks to people like that. Oh, he does. Well, yes, he does. But not only us. He speaks to every one of you. If it was just, if the kingdom of God advancing into the world was dependent upon the two of us, well, we might as well close her down right now. But praise be to God that he created a community of believers. And he said, onward, Christian soldiers. I'd really like to start singing that right now, but I won't. I know. I'm going Episcopalian again. It's, I'm about to do some liturgy. I hope that when you're coloring this, as many of you are not doing, because you're Afraid of failure. I hope that you see yourself as the guy on the edge with his hands on the side looking as if he is about to pounce over. Regardless of what happens, when Jesus says, come, I'm on my way. Let us pray. Gracious and heavenly Father. We thank you and praise you for the stories of Scripture that you have given us, for these lives of men and women in the early church, for the ways in which they have followed you.